Welcome to those who are joining us from the Fellowship Hall and online today. It's good to be able to study the Word of God all together. We are now in part two of a series called The Good and Beautiful God about the good and beautiful life that God wants us to know. And in it, we see a constant theme that when we live out of a place of fear, instead of living out of the assurance of God's love, we're tempted to try to find our worth and our security in things that don't actually help us. So today we're looking at what Jesus has to say about honesty, truth-telling, and lies, where they come from and what role they play in our lives. I did my pastoral internship in a 20-year-old church in Wisconsin, and it was a wonderful congregation of about 300 people. And the staff there was one pastor, a part-time secretary, a largely volunteer choir director, and a very part-time janitor. And all of them were amazing. And I was the first intern pastor they'd ever had, and it was during the height of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. I'm dating myself here. So when they asked if I wanted to be called intern or vicar, I said, ah, I think vicar is better. <laughs> so that year I was vicar Angie. And at the end of that year, when I was packing up my office, I found I was missing my camera. And I had just been taking pictures of people that I'd missed. So I'd looked all over my office, which in that tiny little church was in the closet of the church nursery, and I didn't find it anywhere. So I asked the pastor for his help, and we scoured the building, looking in all the places where I'd taken pictures, no luck. And then at the end of the day, I put on my coat, and there in my coat pocket was the camera. And I immediately called out, I found it! And I heard the answering shout, where was it? And you know what happened next? I lied. I was so embarrassed about it being in my pocket all along that without a beat, I said, I found it by the stuffed animals. Because when your office is in a church nursery, your office decor is a little different. And the minute those words left my mouth, I thought, why did I do that? Because in a moment, the pastor was in my nursery office asking, where, by the stuffed animals? I looked through those. How could I have missed it? And you know how it is. When you tell one lie, then you have to tell another one. Oh, I don't know exactly. I was just so excited when I found it. I didn't really see. Thanks for looking. But he looked confused, and he should have been, because my answer made no sense. And on the way home, I just kept asking myself, why did I do that? That was just plain dumb. If I would have confessed where I found it, everyone would have laughed about it. Not a big deal. One moment of embarrassment. But now it was a big deal to me because I was leaving people I had really come to care about with a lie. And I went from that internship to a mission team to West Africa, and many of the people from that church had sponsored me for that trip. So after that year, I went back to give a presentation. And immediately when I walked in the doors of the church, it was there again, pressing on my heart, the lie. So I knew what I had to do. I really didn't want to. But when I had the chance, I told the pastor, I have to confess something to you. Do you remember when I lost my camera? And he said, no. <laughs> So first I had to tell the whole story and remind him what happened and then confess that I had lied and then apologize about lying to him. And he laughed at me and he forgave me. And I felt this huge weight fall off my heart. And I had to do that because the lie stood between us in my heart. It changed the way that I related with him until I was free, until all was restored. Lies. They are so destructive, and they're usually pretty dumb, aren't they? So why do we do it? Seriously, why? 
If you ask anyone if they value honesty, they'll say yes. But the Good and Beautiful Life book says that according to a study by Robert Feldman, in a 10-minute conversation, we tell an average of 3.3 lies, one every three minutes or so. Another study says we're lied to every five minutes, an average of 200 times a day. Author Ralph Keyes, from his own study, says some form of deception occurs in nearly two-thirds of all conversations. We all feel that honesty is important, and we all get offended if we find out someone else has lied to us. And yet we all, at some point or another, find ourselves embellishing the truth. In Romans 7.15, the Apostle Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I wonder if those little lies are what he's talking about. So why do we do it? Again, just as with anger, the answer to the why is almost always triggered by fear. We lie out of fear of what will happen if we tell the truth, or we lie because we hope to gain something that we fear we won't get if we don't lie. And we all want to be liked and admired, respected, trusted. We don't want to admit that we're sometimes wrong or we're not as cultured or wise or accomplished as other people might think that we are. And so we lie. But lying doesn't bring freedom. It brings hiding, division, distance. And it creates a lot of work and a lot of stress to keep up with a lie. See, lying doesn't set a person free. It creates bondage. The truth will set you free, Jesus said. Now that seems so hard for us to believe sometimes. It's hard to know where to start with this topic about lying. So first I want to acknowledge that we all know that there are situations where it's best not to share all the truth that you know. And the thing that comes to mind for me is that scene from Sound of Music, you know what I'm talking about, where the nuns have taken the car parts out of the Nazi car and they confess to their mother superior that they have been less than truthful as you see the Von Trapp family escaping to freedom. I have to mention that scenario because I think that's one of the first things we think of when we get confronted about our truthfulness. We start to say, yeah, but what about? And there sure are situations like that sometimes. But most often, if we're honest, something else is going on. What really matters here isn't the letter of the law. What matters is what's happening in our hearts. When we lie, are we really trying to protect the Von Trapps? Or is there something else we're trying to do? When we don't speak the truth, what causes us to make that choice? What are we afraid of? Where are we looking for worth? And what does a heart look like that finds its value securely in Jesus? Does a heart that secure need to lie? What does that say about us? So again, taking a look at our truthfulness can serve as a diagnostic to help us see what's really going on in our hearts, to help us see our need for the love of God to be our foundation, to see what we need as the cure. We first have to see what's broken in us and that it actually is a problem, both of our souls and for the world around us. Because people don't change until they recognize that the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of the change. So do we see the toll that our little white lies take on us and the world around us? 
God gave us his commandments for the purpose of creating a trustworthy world. And we all want a trustworthy world, but somehow when it comes down to us telling the truth or a lie, we don't actually see how that applies to our choices. So let's take a look at some. As I said, the first reason for lying is usually fear of getting into trouble. And you have seen this in every kid in the world, including you. <laughs> when I was in elementary school, my uncle Leroy, my mom's youngest brother, lived with us while he was going to Bemidji State University. And my dad would come home from work and ask, who left their dolls lying all over the living room? And immediately my sister and I would say, Leroy did it. Poor Leroy. <laughs> Lying to get yourself out of trouble is the most common reason for a lie, and depending on how good a liar you are, it might actually work for the moment. But if the lie doesn't get you in trouble, it has the unintentional effect sometimes of getting someone else in trouble. My example about blaming Leroy is funny because it's so obviously false. But what if my parents did think that my college-age uncle was leaving Barbies in various stages of wardrobe malfunction all over the house? Hurting Leroy wasn't our intention, but lies have a way of hurting others beyond what we can see. Jesus calls Satan the father of lies in John 8:44 for a reason. And Jesus says the truth will set you free in John 8:32 for a reason. Satan wants us to live in lies because when we trap ourselves in untruths that we have to serve with other untruths, we also start to live in shame. When we start to believe that our lies are better than anything we actually have to offer, we devalue what God has told us is valuable in us. And living in the dark, we won't go to God for restoration. It's the oldest trick in the book, literally, if the book is the Bible. Because do you remember in the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis? After falling into sin, falling for the evil one's trick, sinning against God, their response was to hide from God. What if they had stayed in hiding? But God didn't let them hide forever, did he? Because he loved them, because he knew they had to move forward, he went and sought them out, calling them into the light, calling, where are you? And they had to come out and face the truth of what they'd done. And it wasn't fun. There were real repercussions that came from their actions. But when they were in the light, when they were truthful about it, they could move forward. And they did. Satan is the father of lies because he wants us to live hiding from God and hiding from one another. Because if we never admit or confess where we've been wrong, we will never allow it to be made right by Jesus. But just as God wouldn't let Adam and Eve hide without coming and calling them back to himself, in Jesus, God came after us, too, to call us back into relationship with him. In John 3, 19 through 20, Jesus says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in sight of, the, of God. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And people often also say the truth hurts. And guess what? Both are true. But it's a hurt that leads to healing. 
Honesty with the self and with others is important to our health and it's also important to a trustworthy world. And Jesus talks about the importance of trustworthy speech in Matthew 5 when dealing with each other. He said, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You see, in the culture of Jesus' day, people would intentionally lie to each other in the bargaining process to try to get the best prices for themselves. And only when they promised with an oath were they actually considered bound to doing what they said they'd do. But Jesus is saying here, don't be a person who needs to make an oath to keep your word. Be a person of your word. When you say yes, mean yes. When you say no, mean no. And the problem with this for so many people today isn't that they don't want to be people of their word, it's that this world doesn't let our no be no very often, right? I think pressure to perform, to please people, leads people to lie about what they actually can accomplish and then live under the pressure of trying to accomplish what they said they could do until they need to make up lies about why they didn't accomplish it. There's a lot of people out there living under crushing expectations, feeling like failures, when in truth, they're not failures. They're humans who can only do so many things. What they need is to know that regardless of what they can accomplish and what they can't, that they are unconditionally loved. And in that security, they can use the word, no, sorry, I can't do that. Here's what I can do. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. The truth will set you free. And anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Because the evil one likes nothing better than to make you feel like everything depends on you getting everything right. And if he can keep you running, trying to please other people's expectations or even your own, you'll never ask God what he wants for you or for the world. Real love allows people to say no and still loves them. If you're lying because you're afraid your success, your being loved, your being valued depends on saying yes when you mean no, you'll never have a life of peace or health. God wants more for you than that. Because when it comes down to it, why do we lie really? Because we don't believe that what we are is enough. We lie because we've bought into the lie of the evil one about us instead of what God has shown us in Jesus Christ. But Jesus' call to discipleship is a call to live in the light, to speak truth, to not lie about yourself or anyone else, because you don't need to. The truth is, God already knows the worst about you. He loves you anyway. Jesus saw that you were worth dying for, worth going to the cross for. He knows the worst, but he also knows the best of your heart. And through the blood of Jesus, that best you is the you that he sees. That's the you that he's calling to himself. And there's no reason to lie to someone who already knows the truth. You are a sinner in need of grace. You are imperfect, broken, and a work in progress. And in his love, you are infinitely precious and with unlimited potential to be part of his good plan for the world. 
All who call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, know that they need a savior too. And there's no need to pretend you don't need grace when you're with people who know that we all need grace. And that's why in his letters to the early church, Paul says in Ephesians 4:25, "Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body." We're all in this together. We all need Jesus. We're all called to spur one another on to love and good works and grow more like Jesus, but we can only do that effectively when we recognize that none of us have arrived, that our salvation doesn't depend on us being perfect, and neither does our worth. Both depend on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. The culture around us uses lies to build each other up in others' eyes, but we don't need to do that. Because we don't value you because you're all that. We value you because you're valuable in the eyes of God. And knowing that we're imperfect followers of a perfect Savior, God calls us to live truthfully so that as far as it depends on us, we can live in the light and not in the dark and contribute to the creation of a trustworthy world. When we think about what the Bible says about lying, A lot of people think about the Eighth Commandment from the Ten Commandment fame. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And on the most literal level, this commandment is saying, when you're testifying in court, don't say that your neighbor did or said something that they didn't. Don't ruin someone else intentionally. And that's why they started that practice so long ago of swearing to tell the truth with your hand on a Bible. It's reminding people that it's God who said not to lie as a witness. We already said that when people choose to lie, most of the time it's just to help themselves, but hurting other people is usually a side product of lies. So this commandment really is getting at the heart state of caring about the other person rather than the self when it comes to telling the truth. And that takes us to a really different place than just the letter of the law to say, don't lie, right? In his small catechism, Martin Luther explains the Eighth Commandment by saying, what does this mean for us? It means we are to fear and love God so that we do not betray, slander, or lie about our neighbor, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain his actions in the kindest way. That's a little bit more than just not lying, It takes more love and commitment from us. And our respect and love for God, knowing that he knows the truth, that he is our king and he's also king over this person in front of us, we're not to take on the role of judge. Instead, we're called to profess innocent until proven guilty, to see each other's actions in the kindest way possible, and to give other people the grace that we hope they would give us when they catch us on a bad day. I think Martin Luther's take on the Eighth Commandment was probably influenced by Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's not the way the world works, if you've noticed. This is life in the kingdom. Truth-telling is not a license to hurt The words that we speak, and not just truth or untruth as we see them, are to serve our Lord's purposes of leading people to truth with a capital T. And in that, our manner of speaking really does make a difference. There are some people in the world who believe in brutal truth-telling, but often cruelly speaking what we see as the unvarnished truth doesn't help others. 
but puts them instead into their past wounds or into shame, keeps them in hiding. Truth-telling about other people's faults as we see them without love actually can feed into the lies of the enemy that have been keeping that person in bondage, unable to grow past those faults, unable to know the truth of God for them. Both love and truth-telling are important for a trustworthy world. Jesus had some words to say about that too, about thinking that we can remove a speck from someone's eye while we have a plank sticking out of our own. We are called to speak the truth, but in love, in ways that will help others to see the truth with a capital T, that although they too are broken in many ways, like all of us, that they're loved with a perfect love. And out of the base of that love, we can have the courage to face the truth about how we need to grow together. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, God calls us to be a community together, trusting not in our perfection or our accomplishments, but in his perfect love. And when we know that, we can be free to admit that we are all works in progress. We've been given a new identity in Jesus of God, as God's beloved ones. And some days we'll shine it, some days we don't. But whether our days are good or bad, his love for us is unshakable. Do you know that you're safe in God's love because it's his love for you? Knowing that we're all works in progress, we need to have grace with one another as we speak the truth, because God isn't finished with any of us yet, but we're growing in knowing whose we are and who we are as the people of God in Jesus Christ. It takes courage to choose to be truthful about ourselves and others. It takes faith that God means what he told us in Jesus Christ, that we are of a new kingdom and our value in it is unshakable. As Colossians 3 says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the love that you have for us, that you have created us in your image and that you call us back to yourself, Lord. And we confess there are times when we are less than truthful, when we lie about ourselves, when we lie about others, when we want to make ourselves look better than we are. We confess, Lord, that we fall into those traps out of our own fear. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to see the truth that sets us free, the truth that is your love for us, the value that you have given us. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in the light, to speak truth with one another, to build a trustworthy world, Lord, as you have created it for us. We pray that we would find our hope, our life, and our future in that solid truth of your love and your saving grace for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.